another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the land where this conversation takes place. Land which was never ceded. Land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Today I'm chatting to Robin Wagner, winner of the San Pellegrino Young Chef 2022-23. Josh Nyland described the dish Robin Wagner presented at competition as the best dish he'd tasted this year. Another judge wanted to lick the plate clean. The dish was simply called smoked celeriac with Granny Smith apple and crispy taro, and it won him the regional finalist title. And when they say regional, they mean the Pacific region. Next year, Robin will fly to Milan to join the finalists from other regions around the world competing for the overall award. Robin started his cooking career in Germany, working in fine dining Michelin restaurants, Restaurant Vendôme and Villa Merton, before moving to Australia and working at Sydney's Sepia in Dalesford's Lake House. He now calls South Australia home and works as sous chef to Scott Huggins at Penfolds McGill Estate just out of Adelaide. Perhaps you caught last week's chat to Scott. Robin is, of course, honoured to have been chosen for the award, but he also got so much out of meeting and being part of the community of chefs the the competition creates. I really loved hearing about chefs meeting and connecting and helping each other out and working on food that has a positive impact in the world. Robin, it's Joe here from Conversation with the Chef. How are you? Good yourself. Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks for your time today. Um, I imagine you've got lots of things to do all the time. Um, it's a little bit busier now, especially with Christmas. And... I bet, yeah. I actually um, just spoke to Scott Huggins the other day, kind of coincidentally, before I knew I was going to speak to you. So it's nice to speak to you as well. Um, congratulations on being named the best young chef in the Pacific region for the San Pellegrino Young Chef of the Year. That's amazing. It's so good. I'd like to talk a bit about that and then perhaps a bit about your background um, as a chef and your journey so far. Uh, I cannot even believe it. it, The photo looks incredible and it sounds like there's only three ingredients, a smoked celeriac, Granny Smith apple and crispy taro. Tell me, how did you come up with that? Now, you're not vegan and it's a vegan dish. Can you just give me a little bit of a background on how you came to that? Yeah, there's no specific background. So I'm just, yeah, I'm I'm normal trained. Um, I'm having a little bit European influence because I'm originally from Germany. Yes. Um, and I came over to Australia 2017 with my with my wife. Um, Scott pretty much provided me. So I'm yeah I'm there for four years now, and um, I got a lovely industry. Yeah, pretty much like a canvas in regards to that, which um, he provided me to try things and to develop. And my passion is most of the time for vegan and vegetarian because we always try to yeah having the same experience for everyone. Um, yeah. Which is not always very easy, and we're having a very strong vegan or also vegetarian menu, which we can provide any time um, for any customers for any kind of dietary, pretty much. Which um, 
starts off with snacks and just continues full on. And yeah, it's almost all dish which we cannot because it's just always, most of the time it's brainstorming and mm. um, I haven't, we, we haven't thought for anything specifically. It would just, it's just, yeah, it just cannot. Mm-hmm. It was a very long process to get there where it was. Yeah. And I'm still having all the notes and all this stuff written down and as I started with, but yeah, how long did it take? Probably three to four months. Wow. And it was, there was the way, um, that was before the pandemic. This yeah. dish was already on the menu two years ago, mm. two and a half years. Um, and at this time it was pretty much spring as well. And we had it more like a cleanser. So between fish and meat dishes. Yeah. So always just to have, um, yeah, pretty much like to clear the whole palate in your mouth to provide yourself for the following cut or next chapter pretty much. Because mm-hmm. our menu is always pretty much the same structure in regards to having um, the snacks at the beginning, which is already a whole journey. Mm. And then you continuing most of the time with two fish courses and two meat courses. And then it depends how we're going to go with the fifth course in the center. Mm. And at this time it was the celeriac dish. Yeah, wow. And so it, the celeriac is smoked and then, so then how, what else do you do with that? How, how is that? I guess how, how's it presented? How's it then come together with the apple and the taro? Yeah, if, we're talking, if we're talking about smoked celeriac, so literally it's, it's not the root itself is smoked, it's the process, how ah, it is prepared. Okay. So we're literally... We're cooking a um, normal celeriac puree. So we're taking all the husk off when we're peeling the root itself. Then the root gets toasted and roasted. Um, so it's quite dark. So we're having this kind of earthy flavors, which we're also using after it's, yeah, it's if it's roasted, it gets dried for 24 hours in a dehydrator and then gets blitzed to an ash pretty much like a powder. And um, we're using the root itself um, cook it in soy milk until tender and then we just prepare like a normal puree but we finish it off um, with a smoked oil mm. so literally there's we're smoking normal grapeseed oil and gets smoked for three to five hours and then we just literally emulsify it like a mayonnaise but just a vegan way so it's literally you're getting this kind of smokiness much deeper and you're having the chance to adjust it depending how the flavor of the puree itself is because mm. it's always quite hard you're not having always consistency with the root itself sometimes it's a little bit stronger or weaker it really depends how the season comes up and how the weather is also looking if you're having now very rainy conditions at the moment in the sa um yeah the flavors and the terrain is also always different so it's a little bit easier to adjust then we're having a crispy taro. Yeah, it's just a normal taro root which gets sliced on a mid slicer quite thinly. And then um, we fry it to have this kind of crispiness. Mm. And um, having also a braised celeric, which is just the root itself, also um, thinly sliced on a meat slicer. And then we're having also two different kind of reductions. We're having a Granny Smith apple reduction and a celeric apple reduction. So this whole dish is also based just on 
acidity and sweetness from the own ingredients. So there's no added sugars or anything. Wow. So my intention for this whole thing was also not being consistent with vegan, gluten-free and dairy-free. It's also not to adjust or add on any um, any sugars, any yeah, any kind of sugars which you can buy, for example, all the caster sugar, Isaac. Sorry, all the caster sugar, Isaac sugar. There's no honey added. It's just the pure acidity and the pure sweetness from the from the vegetables itself. Um, having a milfer, as I said, gets literally just baked in the oven and compressed overnight, mm. and then also gets charred over charcoal or in the pan depends how we're going and then it's just going to finish off with an apple Christmas apple bonnetter yeah it sounds like about a bit but <laughs> it's it, quite simple on the plate and that's what we're actually aiming for having this complex simplicity yeah absolutely well I read that Josh Nyland one of the judges said it was the best dish he's had all year so that must feel pretty good <laughs> but, yeah I have not thought I would make it that far. It was already an honour to just for being part of it and competing and mm. all the connection which we have with San Pellegrino and how they have everything provided with all the other chefs. And then having this kind of thing was just bloody amazing. I was mm. literally aiming for the um for the Ford Award because yeah, it was everything. Just I made so many ideas and had such yeah, such a lot of thinking about it, about this whole dish, how it's going to be and how it's going to turn out. And then having this kind of statement from Josh Nolan was just incredible. It made my day. I think it was even more rewarding than the trophy itself, I reckon. Wow. No, I can understand that. Absolutely. And have you done other competitions in the past? No, I just completed once randomly, 2018. Mm. Again, save a pastry. Mm. It was more like... Yeah, it wasn't just a pastry competition. It was more like to figure out where I'm at yeah. at this point because yeah, I had a little bit of pastry background over from Europe, but I wasn't trained in that kind of stuff at all. It's all the classics with the tarts and the clairs and everything. Mm. Um, so it was just to see and how it goes. But it was all right. It was, I think, my only one. It was just nice to see all the other competitors and to have connections and stuff and having this kind of community as well. Oh, that's what I, when I was reading about the San Pellegrino competition, it really feels like they are fostering community and I like the idea that, um, you know, they have an alumni, so once you get past a certain age, you're not a young chef anymore, but you can still be part of their community. And I thought, I really like that idea for hospitality, that it is a community of like-minded people um, sharing ideas and encouraging one another. And, and it sounds to me like that's what it was. <laughs> And it's pretty much how it's all about. It's not like to be competing and having this kind of um, pressure how, yeah, to avoid to speak to each other or anything. Literally, it's always like a big briefing and you're just talking to each other and you try to figure out, to understand each other and um, how the idea is getting spread and mm. how you're getting this kind of ideas and everything. We had quite a few chefs there that had to improvise as well because yeah, the market did not supply everything on the point. And um, yeah, Mother Nature.
nature can be sometimes a little bit tricky, especially in regards to fish. Mm. And yeah, then then we just help each other. Even even that happened that we helped each other and went shopping together or anything a day before and tried to find a solution. It was quite nice. It wasn't even yeah. I never had the feeling it would have been a competition. It was for me more was more like a community. Yeah. And I was really great for having such a big supporter like Scott always there and was looking after me and gave me advice and yeah, it was it was just incredible. It, it sounds like such a great um, thing to be part of. And how are you feeling about so Milan next year? What when is that? What part of next year? Um, apparently it's October. Okay. October, that's what I got told, but we haven't got any dates yet released. Yeah. So that's um, most likely. I think they will change end of January when all the original finals from all the other countries um, have ticked off as well. It's still yeah. a few in progress. I think Spain needs to come next or Portugal. Okay. I'm not sure what's going to be. Um, yeah, I just saw, um, just saw one of the, in the Europeans, one of the German chefs who won. I just, yeah, I texted him straight away and said, yeah, yeah we're going to see each other in Milan. And he's just like, yeah, looking forward to it. And I never met this person pretty much. So <laughs> it's going to be great. Quite great. Yeah. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Do, you, do you have to keep practicing that dish up until then? Let's see how it goes. Um, yeah, I think the main intention is to stick to the dish. Yeah, I think that's that's the main reason why people choose and why we should represent the dish again. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. I had a little bit thinking already about the proportions if I will change in regards to that. Mm. I have the feeling just a few bits and pieces are missing, or you were running short a little bit or something. Um, yeah, I was unfortunate I hadn't had the right flowers in this time because the weather was very bad. Mm. Usually it wouldn't have been a different garnish. Yeah. So it just depends if I'm also able to get that in Italy. That's right. Yes. Um, yeah, but uh, other, on the other hand, it's more like to play also a little bit safe because I'm not sure with all the other competitors, you know, in, in regards to flying protein of fish over which are able to be get or to provide here in the Pacific so Atlantic way, you know, in regards to Europe. Well exactly so right. Also very difficult. Yeah. So I'm rather happy to have nice vegetables and playing a little bit safe. Yeah. And then I'm fine with that. Yeah. And Robin, I'm sort of interested to know where it all started for you. So obviously you're from Germany. Did you always know you wanted to be a chef? <laughs> it's now how long is it I think I'm 15 years now in business yeah right I started my career with 15 yeah I'm turning 30 next year yeah um yeah cookery cookery was always yeah cookery was not always a big part of me but it was a part so mm. my family is not not hospitality not hospitality related or cookery related they actually um it's a totally different industry where they're working at. Um, for me, my mom was working a lot, so I had always to provide myself with food. Mm. And my grandma was taking care of me, but I always was quite straightforward and I knew what I wanted to cook on that day, so I did it on my own. And my grandma was just watching. Yeah. She just told me the story 
couple of weeks ago as we had a chat. I was like, oh yeah, it was always like this. You provided yourself always with food and never were able to talk you anything. You did know everything already. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> um, yeah. No, and then we had always in school, we had this kind of cookery classes and, and no one of the males actually attended to. Mm. Which was quite weird because it was always a woman thing. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't care. I was always, I went always for those classes because in regards to cookery, everyone else went for the technical ones and electricity and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't, I didn't mind at all. So I just went for that. And then I started my apprenticeship in Frankfurt, which uh, was the, yeah, we had one Michelin star first. And then um, two years after we got the second and we were the first regional and seasonal restaurant in uh, Germany who got a second star. It was literally more like a little bit underrated restaurant in regards to Noma as Serena Recepi made this big thing out of it in Copenhagen. It was pretty much the same time. And we, my former boss, did the same in Frankfurt. And so we tried to provide ourselves in the restaurant always just he gave us literally a radius around the restaurant was around 100, 100 to 150 kilometers and um to provide ourselves with ingredients so we went foraging preserving a lot to um continue during winter when it's quite hard to harvest any vegetables or roots um yeah just this kind of thinking you know to preserve and all these kind of things was just incredible. And then I had the pleasure to um, continue in Cologne, which was always, it was a free Michelin star restaurant where I stayed at least three years. And it was a quite tough time, but it was amazing just to work always so many hours because you could, yeah, you could acknowledge your knowledge, what I'm having now, or the knowledge which I got over this kind of period, no one is able to to take that away from me. Mm. I think it's always something when you talk to someone who's not in the same occupation or who's in a different kind of industry, it's just always like, oh yeah, how are you able to do this? Um, you're working so many hours and you're never, yeah, you're never earning so much money, which mm. is in Europe, that kind of way. You're not getting that great paid in comparison to Australia. Um, but the other reward which you're always getting is the knowledge and the experience. Mm. And it's something which no one can take from you. I think that's a really big point. Yeah. And my, for my head pastry chef this time was the person who taught me all this thinking how to create a dish. Because it was always, he chose an ingredient from the season and then he was just building literally his mind map pretty much around it. So mm. you, he choose a peach and then he's looking, oh yeah, can we use the bark from the tree as well? Can we preserve the leaves? Um, what of kind of terror is the peach growing? And all that kind of stuff. And then he just builds everything around it and then he ends up with this, it's not even a dish, it's like contemporary art. <laughs> wow. And then, yeah, as I started in 2014 there, then we were on rank 10 on the world's 50 best. Yes. Fifteen on rank twelve, and then yeah, we get we got downgraded over the last couple of years, and it's had different reasons. Mm. But yeah, the experience was amazing, and then I ended up in Australia. Yeah, right. Was it a culture shock coming here? 
in, in terms of food or <laughs> other? In terms of food, not. I had a trial in England before because we were thinking to go either to England or going to Australia. Mm. Um, I had a trial in England and it was a nightmare for me in regards to language. Mm. I couldn't understand anyone. Um, then we had this working holiday as we came over here in 2017 and I really appreciated it. I haven't had any issues with the accent, with, with the Australian accent at all, so it was turned out very well for me. Mm. Um, I appreciated that Australians are taking much more care of food and enjoying it much more in regards to breakfast. It's something we celebrate breakfast as well, but you guys just going out each day pretty much having coffee, having a nice breakfast in the morning, you know, and just or having a light lunch or anything and you're really enjoying it. Yes. And in Germany, you're enjoying it with family, but you're usually not going out that much. Mm. So you're having your supper or anything and then you're just going out. It's quite, yeah, it's not, not happening very often. It's quite seldom. And it's just like Australia's in regards to food, a food culture, probably a little bit back in regards to the years and centuries from a country perspective in comparison to Europe, but you guys appreciate it much more. Mm. I think that's something um, which I really like. I just love to go out for coffee or anything. Mm. I'm really addicted. And I think Australia is definitely the reason why. If I'm always going back to Germany, I'm just so disappointed because the coffee culture is just so crap. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the bakery skills are a bit better. I think baking is a very big thing over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, just in terms of the breakfast and lunch culture, it's just incredible. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I think there's something um, which I could learn that you can, if you really have the passion and stuff, and if you want to step up, you can definitely make it in Australia. Yeah. And I think you guys are much more open for all that kind of change. You know, you, you would you would appreciate it and you would spend the money if you're having a nice nice experience. Germany is always more like, oh yeah, mm, how much money do I have on my bank account? Should I do it? <laughs> yeah, you guys are much more spontaneous. You just you're just going. And it's something we really appreciate. It's just like yeah, it's just nice to be here. Yeah. It's good. I'm glad. And apart from your, your winning dish, do you have a favourite dish or ingredient that you're using at the moment? At the moment? Um, it's a little bit difficult. <laughs> I think... I love the mm. as a fish. Um, the only... Yeah. I was... I miss... I miss... I miss the fish market a lot in Sydney because mm. as we started there, fish is a big thing. Yes. The NSA is always the problem a little bit with the fish supplies. Mm. So in regards to seafood, we're a little bit weak. Um, no, we just got, we got on the menu last week, um, KIs. We got queen scallops from KI. They were amazing and incredible. It just came totally fresh. And I had a chance to harvest after four years now. That mm. was something which we put on the menu and got really great feedback. And now we start working on the summer menu, which kicks in next week. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to work with Whiting again, for sure. Mm. It's going to be that's something really South Australian, and I think that's a product which um, we can be proud of. Yeah, delicious. Yeah. And just a final question, so you can go back to your 
day off. <laughs> um, what would your advice be to people who are considering becoming chefs? Mm. You should be, I think you should be open for any advice which you're given, either, either if it's bad or good, it's just the perspective how you're going to take it in future. Because there's always a point of view um, where you might to agree or disagree, but on a certain point, it's your kind of perspective how you decide it. You know, it's what I want to say is um, it's, it's really like um, it was from a point of you if you're having a longer career and you have quite a few mentors because it's never going to be just one mentor because as a chef you literally yeah you literally like it yeah, you travel everywhere you know you go everywhere and you try to um, get so many informations and so much knowledge as possible and to gain so much experience as possible. So you always will have someone who stays above you and teaches you something and then there's always someone who tries to teach you something but you never will agree with it. So it's for you the best way just to take it and say frankly yes and to agree. But if you're doing your own thing at the end of a decade or when you start opening your own business, you just, you're not doing it, but you still took it as, Mm. Robin, thank you. Thanks for your time today and for um, all that you've shared with me. I've really loved chatting to you and uh, I look forward to seeing what happens next year in Milan. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Robin Wagner, the winner of the Pacific Region San Pellegrino Young Chef Competition. You can check out Robin's Instagram, it's at Robin Wagner, but it's spelt at R-O-3-I-N-W-A-G-N-E-R for some incredible food and other photos. I'm also on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. And if you want to read the chat, you can head to www.conversationwithachef.com. Now, you know I would love it if you told a friend about my chats. And of course, you and they can follow me on Apple and Spotify Podcasts. Once again, thanks so much for listening and have a great day.